You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. From Columbus Business First, it's Women of Influence, an interview series showcasing some of the most inspiring women in the Central Ohio business community. In today's episode, we sit down with Tracy Martinez, managing partner at Squire Patton Boggs Columbus office. This interview was recorded in front of a virtual live audience at the ninth annual Biz Women Mentoring Monday event on February 28th. It was one of 40 virtual programs held across the country where 1,700 mentors came together to offer their support and expertise to 8,600 women. Hi, Tracy. How are you doing? Hi. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. And thank you to this group for inviting me. So to start off with, Tracy, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about your career path, because I think it's a little bit of an unusual one for an attorney. So what led you to the legal field and the job you're in today? I was born and raised in Las Vegas, and there I was babysitting for one of our senators who was a lawyer. And I remember them going to different events and fundraising and do all these things. And that was my first inclination uh, about perhaps working in the legal field. I didn't have any family members who were lawyers or anything like that. Went to undergraduate went to Notre Dame. And then after there, I moved to Houston to do a master's degree. I had a small daughter and I was teaching a class in the summer to people who were going back to get their second careers as educators in the state of Texas. Um, There was a massive teacher shortage at the time. And during my summer uh, program there where I was teaching because of a professor who got stuck on a sabbatical in China, um, they said to me, one of the students said, you know, you really should be an elementary school teacher. I think you'd be great. I said, I have no idea. I'm barely surviving raising my daughter. But um, next thing I knew, five weeks later, I was in a fifth grade classroom teaching um, reading and language arts. I continued my career as an elementary school teacher in Houston for the next seven years when I applied to law school and moved to the great city of Columbus uh, to go to the Ohio State University. Um, So definitely a different path, but I'm so glad that I'm here, though. In the summer, I do often wonder why I ever left the education profession. (laughs) True. We saw a sign at the elementary school near our house yesterday that said Teacher Appreciation Week, and my husband was like, isn't that the summer? Um, No, I mean, I... (laughs) (laughs) Teachers deserve ample appreciation. First, I did want to ask, you mentioned you went to Notre Dame. So are you a a Notre Dame football fan or did you transition to OSU with law school? I can't believe you asked me that question publicly. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, my heart will always bleed blue and gold. But yes, I definitely am an Ohio State fan as well. Though, interestingly, Ohio State and Notre Dame play each other the first game of the series on September 3rd. I will have to say, stop by our suite to see what the colors are. (laughs) It's a very, uh, very diplomatic answer. So is there anything from your experience teaching that impacts your work as a lawyer? They feel like uh, a little bit different uh, fifth graders to, you know, corporate clients. But what did you take from that experience into your career today? Yeah, I taught fifth grade for a year and then I dropped down to second grade, which was where my love was. I always think that my best teachings in life came from teaching those second graders and interacting with their very involved parents. (laughs) Taught me what not to do as a parent of two. Really though, the interaction and the ability to communicate with diverse learners, I will say that's probably what's translated to my role, not only as an attorney in front of a jury, but also as a leader in our office is understanding that everybody comes to the world with a different lens and you have to appreciate the diversity of thought and the diversity of the way people learn in order to know how to impact them, whether it's visually, orally, tactically. So I try to incorporate that literally in almost everything I do. Mm -hmm. As with many guests we've spoken to so far on Women of Influence, Tracy was named to her new role right before the start of the COVID-19 pandemic moving into the job officially at the start of 2021. It's one thing to start a brand new job like this ever, but Tracy had to navigate her new role during completely unprecedented times. It certainly helped to have an amazing leader that was in the job before I took over, Alex Shoemade. I'm sure many on this call probably know who Alex is. It was a very well thought out transition. We spent a solid year and a half probably preparing and working together on what that transition would look like. So never did I feel like I was on my own. And in fact, I don't feel that way today. We just did an office transition and Alex is next to me um, in the office, which I love because there's so many days where I'm like, oh gosh, what am I doing? You know? So, but during the pandemic, it was definitely chartered territory for all of us. Alex hadn't experienced that either, but the benefit of being a labor and employment lawyer certainly helped. Uh, we were knee deep advising clients on how to navigate all the changes with the COVID pandemic, whether it was how to apply for a PPP loan or you know how to furlough employees and maintain levels of employees in order to get through it. So that certainly helped. And then just a lot of communication. I'm a strong believer that I don't want to make decisions for people without involving them in the discussion. And so really utilize. We have two advisory groups, both an associate advisory group and a partner advisory group. You know, we're in contact with regularly, even now, as we're coming out of the pandemic and trying to figure out what the future of the office looks like. Are you still regularly consulting with clients on those sort of pandemic-driven questions? I know we we talked early in the pandemic about PPP mm-hmm. advice. What are the questions you're getting most today and, and any insight you can share for our attendees? Yeah, I will say pandemic, we're still tracking how states and, and cities and counties really are lifting or not lifting their mass mandates, vaccination requirements, et cetera, because most of our employers are national employers. And so they're operating in different states. And it's really challenging to try to navigate that and make sure you're you know, staying compliant 
with your employees within those different states. Um, with respect to the PPP loans, it's really more centered around forgiveness of those loans, timing, what we can expect. You know, I was just on with a client last week. Here's the IRS contact to figure out, you know, when you're going to get some of these tax credits that we're expecting so they can change them on their books, if you will, as we get into April and tax season. So shifted a little bit, but still employee levels. Now that things are starting to level out, we're going to really start to see some changes there as well, you know, in terms of numbers of employees, hiring, do we write size groups, you know, things of that nature. The pandemic had a dramatic effect on working women, especially as they bore the brunt of childcare duties, even while continuing their jobs. Tracy's children are grown, but she talked about the ways her firm has navigated supporting its female employees through these challenging times was definitely a a big focus within the firm. One of my other roles is to chair Advancing Women's Task Force, which pre-pandemic, what we were very centered on, very different initiatives. And then once COVID hit, we quickly shifted that summer to really dive into making sure that globally our women were not leaving at greater rates that they were before the pandemic. And so we were really focused on that. And as part of that, we did listening sessions with women around the world and all of our offices to talk to them about what kind of pressures that they were facing given, you know, kids at home, childcare, schools closing, trying to be teacher, mother, wife, sister, caregiver. Um, we really felt that the women were going to probably shoulder a greater burden of those responsibilities in addition to a very demanding profession in the practice of of law at a big law firm. And so after we had the listening session, we really tapped into um, some consultants and worked with our benefits group to determine what kind of things that we could offer and enhance in our benefits program to make sure that our women were feeling supported. I can't say that there's a perfect solution. You know, it's all very hard. Some of the things that we did was increase um, the number of childcare hours, assistance to find childcare. And so our benefits program, we have a third party who helps us with that with our women, but also just making it easier for them to do it. Because when you're in that kind of crisis mode, the last thing that you're thinking about is let me go on the firm's intranet website and try to navigate and figure out you know, how I can handle this. And so really trying to message that. We're continuing to try to improve upon that as well. We actually are putting out a pretty robust um, International Women's Week. We have 30 sessions for our women over five days focusing on five pillars, the mental well-being, physical well-being, financial well-being, career well-being. You know, So every day has a different focus and all throughout the days to touch on all different time zones. We have internal and external speakers to help our women focus on benefits because the whole purpose of the program is you know, what is happening for me and how do I evaluate that for myself in determining the course of my future, not only at home, but at work. And as we see the lines blur between home and work, you know, that's going to be more and more important. Childcare was certainly probably one of the hardest things that we had to deal with. And I will say that while the pandemic, of course, is horrible, I think one of the best outcomes, at least for the legal profession, has been to advance us forward. We're typically behind the times, very old school. And I love seeing the shift of mentality of how you can be successful working from home. I was in Washington, D.C. just this past week and meeting with all of our women in those offices. And 
their commutes in DC were about an hour and a half each way in traffic. And as I was chatting with the women, they're like, I am such a more well-balanced person. I get to work out now. I get to wake up and have breakfast with my kids and help my spouse get them off uh, to school or daycare or whatever it is. And they don't want to see a time where we go back to full time in the office five days a week, but they do love coming. I mean, we were in an office event and there was about 50, 60 women there. And it was awesome to see them all interacting and hugging and, you know, just really happy to be in person. So I think over the course of the next year, it's going to really be about companies trying to figure out what that balance is, what makes sense for the type of work that they do and trying to listen and meet the needs of their employees. The focus of the Biz Women Mentoring Monday event is obviously mentoring. After our conversation, attendees were broken out into small groups for speed dating sessions with our mentors. I asked Tracy about the ways mentoring is likely to change as the corporate world embraces hybrid work for the long term. There are definitely some really great pros that came out of the pandemic, but there are definitely some cons. There's a ton of good literature out there from the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times. There's been a lot published about the future of mentorship and being a mentee during this new virtual world. There was a quote that I saw in one article I read. I can't remember where it was from, but they said, you know, long are the days where out of sight, out of mind comes into play, you know, because of the way that we're working. But I think really it's going to be about a more active interaction between the two. Whereas before I would say in my mentor-mentee relationships, the mentees really would like be the ones to reach out to me and put it on my calendar. One of the things that I've learned from talking to associates or other mentees is that they feel really uncomfortable about constantly putting time on our calendars. So for the mentors out there, I would just say, keep that in mind. I think we should take a more active role reaching out to our mentees because it's a little bit different than when you're in the hallway and you can be like, oh, hey, let's grab coffee. It's much more intentional. And, and, and to the mentees, they've shared with me that it feels more intrusive to you know, put time on the calendar because it's so formal and set up. So I would say you know, maybe establishing how that's going to look. But with that said, wow, it really expands the roles of mentors and mentees to be so much more beyond just like the person that's in your office. For our firm, for example, you know, where we have practice groups that span you know, 40 countries, you know, look at this call. It's amazing to see how many people are here to interact and we're all in different places, but we're able to do that from whether I'm in a hotel room or in your living room. And so I do think that we just need to think about it differently and have those communications a little bit upfront as to how you want that mentor-mentee relationship to work. But I think with the pandemic, there's some real opportunity to expand the types of relationships that we have because we are so comfortable doing it via Zoom and, and they can be meaningful. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I can't tell you. Like, that being vulnerable and opening up to what your concerns are, or what your fears are, or what your dreams are, that's what the mentors are there to do. I absolutely love sitting down. I took a small group out to dinner on Thursday night when I was in our Washington, D.C. office and, you know, just said, you know, 
ask me anything. I, you know, my goal is here to help you see the path forward to whatever success looks like for you. If they would have sat there quiet, that would have been a very different discussion than what we had. Um, instead, they opened up and we talked about so many things. A lot of what we talked here today from childcare and upcoming weddings and how do I navigate that with a client list and how do I rely on others? I mean, we just had just a robust two and a half hour discussion, but it could have been a quick hour dinner. So I just cannot stress. I urge you, these women are here because they want to be here. Nobody would just be like, oh, you know, let me spend an hour and a half of my morning if I'm not vested in really wanting to make a difference. One of the things that our women's enterprise group does is they have a theme and our theme this year is advancing women. And what we talked about was advocating for yourself as women. So it sometimes feels uncomfortable because we feel like we're being braggadocious. It just doesn't come as naturally as it may for men. And what we talked about is how advocating for yourself is really a selfless act. There are so many people out there who've advocated for themselves, so many women, and that's really what has brought on all this new opportunity. And so don't think about advocating for yourself and asking those questions as being just solely focused on you. As you learn and gain knowledge through your mentorship relationship, whether it's here in this forum or at home or at work, you really are moving the needle for those that have come behind you. And so just don't lose sight of that. It's really a powerful thing when you think about it. And if I think they, we, Nick had said there are 10,000 women participating in this program. Think about, think about the power of that. If every one of these women either assists or asks a question that moves that needle a little bit forward, how much further we can propel ourselves in the workplace and, and with balance, you know, bringing new opportunities to the workplace by different ideas that people have. So ask questions, be inquisitive, and you know, just t- take it in. Terrific. Well, I think that's a great note to to end on and leave in our attendees' minds. So thank you so much, Tracy. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. And a big thank you to all of our Biz Women attendees who watched this interview live, as well as to you for listening now. Make sure you're following the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll be notified of each new episode. I'd like to take the opportunity to thank Tracy again for her time and for all of her wonderful insights. I'm Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First, and this has been Women of Influence. See you next time.